This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Raslan, and our two pundits, two up front. Um, we have Sean Mahotra. Hi, hi, everyone. It was a great weekend of football. Unfortunately, not for me. <laughs> yeah, but it was a great weekend for Des Hill. What a magnificent day it is to be alive. The sun is shining, <laughs> even though we are 7.30 in the evening. The world is a wonderful, wonderful, happy place. <laughs> I, know, I wonder why he's happy. We'll find out in a moment, because we've got uh, Carabao Cup um, highlights, and we have some Premier League. And we're going to be talking also later on Dutch Eredivisie and even catching up with the Indian Football League. So uh, we start with Des. Carabao Cup, finally, finally, there was a goal in a cup match between Chelsea and Liverpool. Remarkably, the three nil-nil draws, as they so nearly were, have all been really good games. How it remained nil-nil until the 118th minute is beyond anybody. VAR, of course, <laughs> had its say, nearly had the final say. Um, Chelsea had the ball in the net. Both teams hit the post. Uh, Kelleher made one outstanding, unbelievable save. Uh, as as, as uh, uh, At the other end, Liverpool had their chances as well. It was a really good game of football. Um, I think the better team won because the team who wanted to go out and win it in extra time with a team who actually got the goal. And despite all the youth on display, uh, the, the Jurgen Klopp story uh, carries on. You saw the emotion after the game. Imagine the emotion going to be in May. It's going to be tears upon tears upon tears. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, yeah, impartial, mm-hmm. uh, neutral here. It was a good game. Oh, it was a fantastic game. But like they said, the last three nil-nils in the cup finals, they've all been great. I think this was one of the best... But it will be looked at. I think it will be looked at aside from the two goalkeepers who were phenomenal on the night. My man of the match was Wataru Endo. I thought he covered every blade of grass that night. And to play, I think he played the full 120, did he? Yes, yeah, he, he played the full 120. Yeah, he yes, was correct. Insane. It was. You normally look at the likes of Salah, Nunez, and all these bigger names that perform. Wataru Endo was just on another level. And I think it, it justifies why Klopp brought him in. A lot of people looked at it as, oh, it was a. You know, he was going to be a, a a downgrade from the likes of Caicedo or Lavia. And I think he's proven that he's, he, he can hack it with the rest of them. Brilliant performance. And I think it's a night that a lot of those kids will never forget. I, I'll be one of the first to admit, I never heard of like four of them before this. And after last night, I probably, I hope I'll never stop hearing about them because it's a dream. Hmm. You went up against a billion dollar team and you outperformed them. You deserve the win. Because there's those, um, those youngsters who I think last week you said yeah, you can never win with youngsters. Uh, it's, difficult to win. it's difficult to win consistently, but they, okay. they, they, they did a really good job. So people course. have been saying this was the Liverpool B team, but it was, it's, these, are, these are forced upon uh, Klopp. He had to make these choices or he chose to make these Absolutely choices? Absolutely he had to make these choices. He was shown of 11 full internationals. There's a really good team, an 11 that you could have picked who were absentees for injury. Salah and uh, Nunes not even on the bench, perhaps being saved 
for Man City, which is two weeks down the line. But Salah loves to play so much. Uh, I, I can't really believe that. I suspect he's genuinely injured. So he's um, he's put his faith in these kids and he's, he's trusted them. And they are kids. They're 18 and 19 and 20. Even Harley, Harvey Elliott's only 20, 21. So when Jurgen Klopp leaves, he is going to leave behind such a wonderful array of young players. But it's going to be terrifying for whoever takes over. But you were saying before we came on here that um, it's only what, a 10 percent. It's a tiny minority of players who come up through youth level. Um, you just look back. Uh, I'm sad enough to occasionally look back at former uh, youth cup finals. And the number of players who make it from Youth Cup finals, Everton or West Ham or Arsenal or Liverpool, who actually make it through to Premier League, regularly playing Premier League. Uh, I looked at the, the 2009 Liverpool team that won the Youth Cup. One came through. Mm. One out of the whole squad of 16. A, a lot played. Decent level. But only one is, um, made it up to the top level. And that was Jack Robinson, mm. who's playing at Sheffield United. Right. So, uh, Sean, therefore, if Klopp is having to play these youngsters, despite having 11 players out in the lead in the league, um, can he pull it off? I mean, it's I I think there's what, like 12 more games or 13 more games to go in the league. It's only a points difference right now. If they do pull it off, you know, there's a very real chance it can happen. be one of the greatest things to happen. I mean, we don't know how long Salah's going to be out, Nunes is going to be out and all that, but if the kids can carry them all the way to the title, it will be a magnificent, magnificent I suspect achievement. they'll be back for Nottingham Forest yeah, next weekend, which is a, a, yeah. a tough one for Liverpool, mm-hmm. rarely. Um, or that they've suffered a couple of shocks at, at the City ground in yeah. the past. Hey, uh, before we move on to... Before we take a break, uh, Des, Stan Bowles died. Now, he, I have to say he's before my time. Um, but who was Stan Bowles? So, right, um, in the 70s, which is when I grew up watching football and into the 80s and 90s, obviously, there was a, a group of players called the Mavericks. They, well, they they smoked a bit, they drank a bit, they did things they shouldn't have done, but they were wonderful entertainers. And Stan Bowles was one of these, uh, particularly at Queen's Park Rangers. Later on, he played for Nottingham Forest under Brian Clough. Even Brian Clough couldn't tame him. But he was a wonderful Maverick player. QPR came second in the league in 1976, and he was the, the mainstay of, of that team, him and Dave Thomas and Frank McClintock. But there was a number of players uh, in that Mavericks. Uh, there was like Frank Worthington, who failed to sign for Liverpool because he had an STD on the day of his medical. <laughs> that shows you the kind of uh, character, in want of a, for want of a better word, that these players were. But Stamboles, wonderfully gifted, left-footed uh, player, did play for England, but none of them played regularly for England. And sadly, he died uh, this year. He had Alzheimer's disease, so um, there was a lot of coverage about how he was struggling. So in many ways, it, it's it's a mercy. But what a legacy, what a memory he and the other Mavericks left. Oh, I wonder if they're uh, on YouTube. I, I should have a look. Oh, mate, you'll love it. Yeah, Just yeah. really bad pitches and sort of headbutting. <laughs> and incredible and... skills. Skills? Matt Letizia. Oh, incredible. Well, Matt Letizia much later. Yeah, yeah, no. F- w- watch Frank Worthington's goal against Ipswich Town for Bolton Wanderers. That's the Maverick at the very, very best. Stan Bowles, he scored his share of goals as well. But the Worthington goal versus uh, Ipswich Town at Burnham Park... You'll, you'll come in and you'll go, wow. That is so specific. I can't remember. <laughs> That's like from 50 years ago. I can't remember like last weekend. Uh, okay, we take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at the Premier League matches of the weekend here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. 
And we're back with myself and Sean and Des. And now, Sean, um, we're looking at the Premier League matches of the weekend. And we're going to start with Arsenal 4, Newcastle United 1. And uh, Arsenal very good. OK, let's let's give them the joke. I want to talk about Newcastle. But um, Arsenal, uh, they were totally in control. Totally in control. And I think they needed to bounce back after what happened midweek, you know, in Porto. They looked. The Arsenal that we've seen this season in the Premier League, especially over the last month where they've been free scoring and everything, didn't appear midweek against Porto. They looked out of sorts. This game looked like the Arsenal that we all know from the last month or two. Absolute control. Bukayo Saka was mm. everywhere. I think he scored in five or six consecutive games now. Havertz looked good. Everyone on that pitch looked good. Their set pieces are a joy to watch. I think they've scored the most goals from set pieces this season and they scored two more in this game against Newcastle. It's a very similar in-swinger that comes in. There's always one player that just runs, goes right towards the end and just shades it and it goes in. It's brilliant. From top to bottom, everyone is playing at a elite level. I think everyone's looking at City and Liverpool in the Premier League now as the chase towards the end of the season. But I think Arsenal are the... It's good that no one's really looking at them. I think they would want that so that they can keep pushing, keep pushing and keep pushing. They're still in there. They're still thereabouts. I think they're, they're like a point behind City or level on points with City. So they're still very much in the case to, to win the league. Whether they do it or not is another story. But this was a great bounce back from what happened in midweek. Uh, Des, I really want to ask you about Newcastle United and like what, what's happening there and how come they're not very good. But do say also with Arsenal, they, they, they are... They're in the shout. Um, Absolutely in the shout. Um, they're second highest scorers. They've got uh, the best goal difference of all the top three. Six better than Man City. Uh, they played the same number of games. They're right in that mix. Absolutely. That win over Liverpool a couple of couple of uh, weeks ago, that Van Dijk Allison mix-up, that could be the pivotal moment of the season. Liverpool have got to play City in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, that's Arsenal right in there. Played very well. Newcastle, I've said this um, for, for a little while now, they're at the level where the, the players that they have are. Oh, OK. They are. They, they, they massively overachieved last year. Fourth last year, massively overachieved. They've had injuries. They've had European commitments. But they're not in those elite players. They're getting there. They're improving. But they were well beaten by Arsenal on the day. First goal is very important. Uh, oh, yeah. Karius is very unlucky. Karius mm-hmm. back, back playing for Newcastle, I'm glad to say. Um, very in Newcastle. The Botman knees it over billionth of an inch over the line. Um, <laughs> it was a bit more than that. Uh, mm, <laughs> was a bit not, more than that. not much more than that, oh. but anyway. Um, but no, Newcastle, they are where so they nine, roughly will be. I think ninth, they're in a battle for six is the best that they can yeah. expect. Because right now, ninth behind Wolverhampton Wanderers. If that's where they should be, the world's um, richest club. That mid, that mid table to top end of the table, yes, six, um, five down to nine is around about the, the the place that they should be. I think if you're looking at it in the perspective of world's richest club, right? Even when City were first taken over by uh, the Qatar owner, eh, sorry, the Dubai ownership yes, and all right. that. Sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> they didn't start off, you know, no, winning no. titles and all that kind of things. It took time for them to get to the level where we know they are now. So. There's every chance within the next three years they get to that level. But right now, with everything that's going on, they are where they belong. So uh, they'll get there, but with or without Eddie Howe. Um, Okay, so um, uh, Des, Bournemouth nil, Man City 1. I have to admit, I suddenly realised when I saw that scoreline, I didn't even watch the highlights. But I would imagine Man City were great. No, Bournemouth played really well. They forced them all the way. Uh, City scored midway through the first half. Phil Foden, after good work by Erling Haaland, Bournemouth took the game to Man City. They 
played man-on-man, man-to-man defensively, which meant that they risked conceding goals. Uh, they risked Harlem one-on-one with the centre-back and it nearly came off for them. Edison um, probably had three or four top saves mm-hmm. uh, to earn Manchester City the point. But this is what City can do. They they keep clean sheets. They've got terrific defenders. And that's why I still think they're favourites, even though they're a point behind. I really rate Man City as the favourites because they don't concede silly goals and they can dig out this. And We've not seen Hitty, re, City really hit top form yet. And, and how many wins on the bounce is it? It's, mm-hmm. it's quite a number of wins on the bounce. So Manchester City are like the Terminator in Terminator 2 mm-hmm. who uh, just keeps on coming. Pretty much. I yeah. mean... <laughs> Can't doubt them. It, they, they've won three in a row. How, how can you doubt a team that's won three in a row, even when they're not hitting their best form, best form in how they play yet? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I can see that uh, Sean is itching to get on to the next one. Uh, but we'll come back to you in a moment, Sean. Let's get Des go first. Uh, Manchester United one, Fulham two. Two, I think, for me, both these teams are enigmas. Um, I don't. I don't know what the hell Fulham are, that, that they can do this. And I don't understand Manchester United, who seem to be in the clear, turned all their various corners, and yet here we are. Well, Fulham are inconsistent. They can be wonderful and they can be ordinary. Here they thoroughly deserve this win. Mm. Uh, they, they hit on the break. United didn't have uh, enough to break them down. Anthony didn't get a start, so immediately there was a bit of discussion about whether, was it Ben, ben Forson, who I'd never, never really heard of before? Mm-hmm. He got a start for Man United up front. When Rashford leaves the line, it's not the same. United miss Hoyland. Uh, we said, I've said a couple of times this season, key players uh, for the top teams. You miss certain key players and invariably lose. Liverpool, of course, put that to bed the other night. But Man United miss Hoyland. Man United miss Shaw. They miss yep. that defensive solidity. They, and they miss Martinez. So you take those three players out of the Manchester United lineup and they become vulnerable and they won't score as many. Uh, Mainu for once was found out in midfield but uh, Fulham deserved this it looked like uh, Maguire had uh, got United out of jail with uh, another late equaliser yeah. everyone thought United oh they're going to do another Brentford mm. but th- it was Fulham this uh, this next time and utterly utterly deserved um, but, but do you think that in their next match and I'm not sure who they're playing next do you think Fulham will be able to do it again? No that's, that's weird. Or they might be able to do a stretch of three, four, five games and then they'll drop off. There's a lot of teams like that. It's a good league this year, but consistency is a problem. You've seen the like of Bournemouth go off on a, a real run of games. Wolves, real run of games. But I suspect they'll drop off. West Ham, run of games, drop off. That, that's happened to a lot of teams uh, so far this season. And why is that? Just a tough league. Yeah. It, it, it marks Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool out as absolutely exceptional in able to do it week in, week out. Yeah. Um, once upon a time, Sean, Manchester United would have been, well, not just mentioned in the same breath as those last, the ones that uh, Des was saying, they'd be way above them. And um, I think that there was a sense of optimism in you and, and many Manchester United fans just a couple of weekends ago. But, I mean, they were not bad. Were they not? But they weren't bad. But they were bad. Were they, they were bad? They were really bad. And I, I've said this all season. The minute United loses a few of their key players, like Des mentioned earlier, that team cannot function. The thing that's always worrying me is hearing Eric Ten Hag come out and say, you will only see this team play well when everyone's back, when everyone's back. Thing is, majority of this season, United have missed so many players. And it keeps happening. Luke Shaw is out till just before the Euros now. Hoyland's back maybe the end of March. So 
you're missing two integral players. Martinez comes back only mid-March, and that's not to say fully fit. So when this team is missing all its key players, this is what United fans expect. I expected this when I saw that team come out. Starting Omari Forsen in his first ever start for United as well, I didn't think he was ready. I've watched the reserve games and I think he's really good, but he's not at the level of Ganacho was at when he first came into the United team. You knew there was something special about him. Forsen looked like a duck out of water kind of thing in this game. And it's not his fault. It's just circumstances such that he had to play that game. Lindelof was playing out of position and uh, Harry Wilson down the right side was having his time with Lindelof. So this is what United fans have come to expect. Yes, it was a sense of optimism before this because Hoyland was on a great run. Uh, Luke Shaw was back. Rashford was looking good again. Ganacho was you know, doing more than he could. But now it's back to the reality of this is where we're at. This is what's going to happen. And it's only going to get worse from here because aside mm-hmm. from Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup midweek, United play City next. Mm. And no United fan, no optimistic United fan is going to tell you that they're going to come out of that game with three points, let alone a point. So, yeah, it's just the reality right now. But did you did you watch uh, Jim Ratcliffe's uh, interview? Yeah. He was very gung-ho. Were you excited? Did I'm, you believe him? I do believe parts of what he said, yeah, because I think he conducted it really well. He didn't give away too much. He didn't say too many names, whatever. But what's he supposed to do in this time? He has to galvanize fans. And a lot of the fans don't want him there. They want full really? ownership. They don't want just 25%. They, they want him there, but they want him to have... The full control. And they want him to, to be the guy. It wouldn't be him per se. So yeah. there's a 2024 statement. They want the, the, the director of, to galvanise the fans. You want the players yeah. to galvanise the fans. Of course you fans. want the players to galvanise the fans. Uh, but yeah. how many years of it? It's been more than a decade of watching these players not galvanise the fans. So what do you expect after 10 years of seeing constant failures and letdowns from the same players well, that's and different you coaches? to be uh, Manchester City. You, 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 you. <laughs> no, but ownership... I, I still think a top four place is possible for United. I said, I said right. earlier, earlier on last I, week... I wouldn't be at all surprised. That every time I watch them, they're, they're like... It's like a cat, you know, when it's when it's 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 approaching its prey. <laughs> Whenever you look at it, it's it's miles away, and then you turn away, come back, and it's like moved forward ten feet. <laughs> That's why Manchester United—they just they seem to win. They're the prey, or they're the uh, they're, they're, the, the they're, they're the cat. They're the, they're cat. the cat. That's what I think. That's what yeah. I think. Well, um, I I um, well, let's just move forward. Okay, let's move on one more one more match then. Um, the the BFM uh, the BFM derby. Uh, Bob Holmes and Goglin head to head. Nottingham Forest, well, Aston Villa four, Nottingham Forest two. Well, I went down to to watch with Bob at a local establishment, and the excitement uh, didn't last long. No, it didn't. In fact, <laughs> I turned up five minutes late, and they were a goal down already. They looked miserable. The red shirts, and they were all head down. They had a bright five minutes uh, either side of half time, where they scored, and then uh, scored just before half time, just after. But uh, I looked at that Forest team, and, and, and even the, the, the Forest fans who were there were saying, Daikete, uh, at left back, he's going to get roasted. And he was. They were saying that at the very start. And, and if we can see it, surely the coaches can see it. Surely. So um, I, I don't understand why Forest are down there because they've got good players. They played well for a reasonable amount of time. But Villa, to be fair, looked very, very strong. Gogs would be very happy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we'll come back and speak a little bit more about Villa after, after the break, after the news, because uh, I think that there's more to be said then on them here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back to part three with myself, Cam Ruslan, Sean Mahotra and Des Corkill. During the break, uh, Sean was uh, saying how he hopes that his grandchildren will one day see Manchester United lift a trophy. <laughs> um, it's sad seeing people cry. It <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, someone who's not crying, but he's not here right now. He never is here when they do actually win. Uh, Goglin. Uh, I want to talk a bit more about Aston Villa. We left it off with the Villa 4, Forest 2. Sean, I I was really impressed by Aston Villa, although there was your thinking that it's because Nottingham Forest were bad. I think it was a, a, a share of both sides where Forest were just defensively poor and Villa were executing their usual plan that they do every week. It was too easy for Villa. 4-2 yeah. is actually... It flatters, the, flatters, I think, for us a little bit because it could have been way more. Villa was just that good. I think Des was saying earlier while we were on break, there was just empty spaces where Villa players were just slotting in and having fun. But this is what I've come to expect of Villa. They will execute their plan regardless of whoever they're playing. High press, high intensity football, everyone playing at Mark 10. And it's a joy to watch. It's a fun team to watch. And what Unai Emery has done with that team, you're seeing the spoils of it right now. They're very much in the, the draw to, to end up in a Champions League position. And I still think with the current crop of players they have, they have I think don't have that many injuries as well compared to the likes of Defensively, Spurs. defensively yeah. they got a lot. Tyrone yeah. Mings is out, but Lengler came in yeah. at the back and, and he's been, still out. He's been pretty good too. He's been okay. And compared to Spurs and United, and maybe any of the other teams below Villa, they don't have as many of those kind of injuries to deal with and they seem perfectly fine going forward. They're a lot of fun to watch. So... Yeah, I mean, Forrest defensively were poor, but watch them put in a masterclass midweek against United. <laughs> hey, Des, let, let's talk about top, the top four at the moment. Uh, we've got Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, then Villa. Um, there's a bit of a gap between Arsenal and Villa, 50, 58 points, 52 points. Behind them, we've got Spurs and Manchester United, a gap again. Um, do, do you see? Do you think Villa's going to keep that spot? We discussed this on Friday. I, I didn't, and then they put in a really solid performance in United, <laughs> uh, uh, mess up against Fulham. Uh, no, I don't. Um, so who's going to do it? Then? I, I think a United, a Tottenham. I'm, I'm a big Tottenham fan, but they they blow the odd game. United until Hoyland went out were really on a head of steam, and I still think United have got it in them to put some um, some games together. So I can see one of those two catching up with Villa, and Villa just missing out. Because if you just looked at the names, in, the names of the players, would you say that Villa's squad is just quality-wise that much less than the names on the United? Uh, possible, yes. Good players, good players, good yeah. coach as well. Um, so it's about coaching then it, I think it's about coaching Emery's a very good coach I think Ten Hag's a cr- good coach and I think um, Poster Coglu's a brilliant coach mm. so you, you, that's real quality at that top end it's going to be a great battle but it is for fourth place um, yeah and uh, I, I mean did Tottenham Hotspur play football anymore they never seem to be playing matches whenever. <laughs> <laughs> no their game was called off because of the League Cup final it was supposed to be Spurs against Chelsea, I Correct. think, this Correct. weekend. Oh, yes. That's why. Okay. Uh, let's move on then. Um, well, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Sheffield United. That cat that I mentioned earlier, <laughs> I think Wolverhampton Wanderers are also that cat. They're in eighth position now. And uh, when I do watch them, they seem to get beaten. But when I don't watch them, they they, they win. And they're, they're in where they should be, I think. 
Uh, three wins in the last four. Um, I read and saw a really good article about Gary O'Neill and his attention to detail and uh, how he's really won over the 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 decision makers at Wolves and now the fans at Wolves and the players buy into to what he's doing. I think it's a small squad. Uh, they're on one of those great runs at the moment. I can see them dropping off just a little bit, but they've they've come. Remember, at one stage they were in near relegation problems, mm. and at the start of the season, when Gary O'Neill first got the the chance, uh, um, remember the coach um, left very very late. Uh, so this isn't O'Neill's team. He's had to work with what he was given. Um, they're they're on a great run, very difficult. But Sheffield United were unlucky. Sheffield United deserved something out of this game. They they fought literally. And uh, on on the pitch as well, probably deserved a point, um, but didn't get it. But that's what happens when you're down at the bottom. Wolves are on one of those really nice runs. They're a decent team. Uh, Sarabia's decent. Um, I love Neto mm-hmm. up front. Yeah. Really do like Neto. But I, I think the lack of firepower will eventually see them drop down just below halfway. So you're you're now convinced and okay with the um, Portuguese. Uh, recruiting the, the recruitment's not a problem it's the, the, the kit that they wear so gold, gold, <laughs> gold is the Wolves kit and they, they jettison it for red at every single opportunity it's, um, it does my head in but they didn't at home they <laughs> wore all gold and you're saying that's because that's the Portuguese colour or nearly I, I believe so I believe there's, <laughs> there's something in that it, it's when like when Cardiff had to wear no, that was different because that was a that was a managerial decision to try to change the colours of, of the traditional old, traditional old blue. Uh, this this is more marketing. This is pure marketing. Uh, well, that was marketing too. Uh, it was it was it was the wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> which has two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> which has since been reverted. They are now in blue again. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Sh- Sean, you 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 waved it off. But Wolves, though, I mean, you'd be worried. As a United fan, you'd be worried, wouldn't you, that the Wolves are gonna? Of course, I'm. I'm always worried. <laughs> That's the life of a United fan to always be worried. But I mean, when, when they get it together, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Neto. Mm-hmm. He's a supremely. He's good phenomenal. Player. Yeah. Before I, before any of these managerial, when Nuno Espirito Santo was still at uh, Wolves, I was saying this is one of my favorite teams to watch because they just play without fear. They, they have a lot of fun. A lot of the players they bring in, like Des was saying, their recruitment's not the issue. They actually bring in a lot of really good players and Neto is one of those. And of course, it's worrying as a United fan to know that these other teams behind United are have very much a good chance of climbing up the table. But I think if you've seen recently, at least over the last month or two, all those teams, including United, going downwards, I see it includes Spurs in this as well, going downwards, have all been extremely inconsistent. They'll win two games, they'll win three games, and then suddenly they'll go on this barren spell. And that includes everyone. I think Brighton have been famous for it as well. They keep drawing games. So I think all the teams in that current position are just going to keep going through this loop of, yeah, we'll have many wins, and then suddenly we'll go through these draws again and drop off. It's a bit frustrating. No, it's because it's a good league. It? Yeah, it, it, it shows you just how exceptional the top three are, that they can yeah. go on these long streets. Because in proper football, in a properly competitive game, you, you, you would have an awful lot of, uh, you wouldn't have 15 game winning streaks. So win two, lose one, that is, that's not unusual. Okay. In the good old days, that was the way. All right, so I, I'm spoiled by this uh, fancy Dan kind of uh, absolutely, of money. absolutely. Yeah, you can't have winning all the time. That's the whole Just point can. of sport. Just can't. Oh, Des. <laughs> JDT have proven they can keep doing it. <laughs> they can, but again, that's on a, a, a different financial plane. Mm. 
Okay, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we shall conclude with the Premier League. And then we're going to talk about Eredivisie and India here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello, welcome back to part four. Just the Kicks, which always takes me by surprise. Uh, and uh, so let's uh, let's continue then uh, with an upcoming match. Sean, speaking of um, speaking of inconsistent, West Ham versus Brentford. Mm, this is a interesting game. West Ham are going through a really bad run at the moment, and I think it's it's funny because I thought they were doing quite well before this, and then the injury to Paqueta has just. I mean. It, it's insane to say that one player can derail an entire team, but it's looked like that. Ever since Paqueta got injured, West Ham have no solidity from back to front. They just don't look like their usual quick, pacey, dangerous selves. Whilst you look at Brentford, the games that they've lost since Ivan Tony's come back, they were not to say like they got destroyed in those games. They were quite close. Brentford are a team, I think, that you could be excited about now with Ivan Tony back in the team. He's excited to score goals. He wants to prove a point that come summer, he's due a move. You know, there are teams who are looking for a striker right now and no one better than him if you want a value signing. So I I don't see West Ham, you know, being able to produce something against Brentford. I think it's been it's been dreadful. The air around the whole of their team has just been, been awful. They, they, I gotta, I gotta repeat this. They are tenth, mm-hmm. right? They're tenth on thirty six points. Brentford fifteenth on twenty five. Mm-hmm. And everyone's talking about Brentford as being the better team. Uh, not me. You don't listen to me. I promise you, Cam. You, <laughs> I've been saying Brentford are in relegation problems. They've yeah. lost four out of the last five, uh, with or without Tony. They, uh, I think they've been found out. Thomas Frank has been found out because they sit deep, try and hit on the break. They they rely on set plays and set pieces and being physical. Uh, it's um, a posh Wimbledon from the from the seventies <laughs> kind of uh, uh, route. So um, no, I think Brentford could be sucked in if Forrest and Everton can put a couple of uh, wins together. Brentford really could be sucked into that relegation uh, battle. Um, so this this London derby against uh, West Ham is very, very important. West Ham, great point about Paqueta. I hadn't um, put two and two together. But we've said one player missing from a number of teams. We mm-hmm. mentioned uh, Hoyland up front for Manchester United where Madison was missing for, for Tottenham. They l- lost a little bit of creativity. One player, a key player, does make a big difference. Um, uh, West Ham missing Paqueta. But David Moyes will get them organised. He'll take all the, the, the rubbish that's been thrown at him and all the criticism and he'll get West Ham organised. And this is the kind of game I can see them eking out a, an ugly 1-0 win. Do you, do you think David Moyes will be there next year or be a young German guy? <laughs> Possibly that seems to be that seems to yeah. be the way to uh, uh, the way or a young Austrian or something. And as I said uh, last year, I thought David Moyes could have gone out on a high last year. I, I don't see how he was going to get any better than winning a European trophy unless he wins get... another European trophy. Yeah, but that's a that's a <laughs> tough tough one because mm-hmm. they're they're in the the next level uh, competition. Um, but he clearly loves football. He's passionate for, he's been a wonderful servant for um, the teams he's been at, including Man United. Including Man United, including. Including. <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about the man. He's, he's, <laughs> uh, so he's, um, Roy Hodgson's just retired from yeah. the game. David Moyes is that same kind of, I love this sport, I will stay in it for as long as I possibly can. Perhaps to his uh, perhaps his detriment. Could have gone last year. Sean, pick a young um, European. Uh, manager 
who could take over at uh, West Ham? A young European yeah. manager. Yeah, you, you know those leagues. <laughs> Julian Nagelsmann. There you go. <laughs> One of oh, the youngest okay. managers in Europe. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> you could do a good fit there. You think so? Yeah. Right. He's, he's got Germany first. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because I, I think that West Ham's a sleeping giant. Um, they got a big stadium. People don't necessarily like the stadium, but it's a big stadium. Really um, good players. It's a, it's a great name. West Ham, uh, great heritage. No, it is a great name. I mean, everyone and knows they're West really Ham. great players. That's the They've most important great, thing. Great players. It's a sleeping giant. It's some, someone could pick that one up and uh, really run with it. And okay, let's move forward then to um, Brighton one, Everton one, and I don't know, Des. <laughs> this could come back to hurt. <laughs> this could really come back to haunt Everton. They're one nil up. They nearly repeated the victory of uh, last season. That was 5-1 last season. But they're 1-0 up. Um, Gilmore's been sent off for a 2024 red card. It's, <sighs> there's no intent in him hurting his man. Oh, and we saw something in the League Cup final. They got yep. nothing like the same treatment. But that's another story, by the by. Um, and then Everton concede from a set piece to Lewis Dunk in the, in the, in the 90-plus minute. This could really come back to hurt Everton. Three points on the road there. It gets them a little bit closer to Forest, a little bit further away from Luton. Uh, it takes the minds off the 10 points, but now they're, they're still struggling and they go into the next game knowing, gosh, we're still not clear. We still don't know whether the 10 points are coming back our way. Mm, this could come back to haunt Everton. You know, it's funny. Um, if, if they had their 10 points, they would be not much higher. <laughs> they would no, be... but a lot, lot further away from relegation. They'd be safer. Yes. Safer. But it, it's surprising that the, how, how compressed... The, the league gets at certain points and then spread out. Yeah, they wouldn't actually be that much higher. They'd be just... Uh, 13th. Maybe 13th. Yeah. 13th, yeah. Um, Sean, Brighton, speaking of clubs that go up and down, I, I, I watched that and it's like, they were just... Well, not bad, but it was... I don't, the Amex Stadium seems so quiet. Um, maybe, the, maybe it is normally quiet. I don't really know. But it was so quiet. I think... The same can be said, you know, about Brighton as it is Newcastle. I think they over-delivered last season. They really overachieved. And this season, this is one of the rare times I'm going to say their recruitment as a whole wasn't great. I thought the only good player they brought in this season was João Pedro. I think he's looked really good. But everyone else, Mohamed Dahoud, I think has been sent out on loan or something like that. So it's, it hasn't really clicked for them as a whole. It hasn't looked great. But... I don't know. There's something about Brighton that constantly pulls me back in where I keep thinking whenever they play the bigger boys, let's say, they tend to put in a performance. They like teams who are going to press them and all these kind of things because they exploit the spaces. But when it comes to teams that are going to sit back, going to play in a low block, they tend to, to struggle a little bit more. And it's been happening a lot this season. Part of me feels, and I don't know, I may be wrong here, and the optimist is me thinking this, that they genuinely want to have a good run in the European competition that they're in. I genuinely think that the Zerbi wants to win that competition. I don't know if it's been drilled too much into the players' heads that, yeah, that's the priority over the league because they're not going to necessarily qualify for the Champions League. They're not going to get relegated. So that's something they can really look forward to. So my brain is more like the European competition is their focus because hmm. they've looked really good playing in Europe compared yeah. to in the Premier League. So that's, that's how I see it. They're in the Europa Conference. I mean, I, I obviously I know the answer to that question, <laughs> and I'm just testing you, Des Corkill. <laughs> good, good enough to win it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And imagine De Zerbi, his his um, stock is already very high. 
if he takes them even even to a final, mm-hmm. Brighton getting to Europe uh, Europa final, that would be some achievement. Yeah. Um, and then we see what happens to the Zerbi, how uh, ambitious he is for Brighton or how ambitious he is for himself. Mm. Okay, I, I'm going to skip talking about Wolves versus Sheffield United <laughs> um, because we've done that already. So let's just conclude with Palace 3, Burnley 0. Crystal Palace, they kind of... I mean, sure, it's only Burnley, but they surprised me, Palace, um, under their new interim manager, I believe, or is he manager-manager? I think he's full-time. I think he got given it. I think Roy Hodgson has has said enough is enough. I don't think he's actually... Roy Hodgson, by the way, I don't think he said he's retired from football. No, just retired from this job. So he may yet come back. I doubt it. Neil Warnock (laughs) did. Neil Warnock's up at Aberdeen again. Uh, Yeah, well, we'll catch up on him in a moment. And uh, so, uh, Sean, Palace, um, you know, when when they're fast, they're fast. I liked what I saw from Palace, but they were majorly helped with what happened very early on in the game. I think it's a game that James Trafford is not going to look back on with fond memories. That was a really poor pass. A really, really poor pass, leaving your defender with no option mm. at that point. He is the last man, in a way, takes out the player. It's a red card. And Burnley, already struggling to score goals and keep goals out this season, are down to 10 men for the vast majority of the game. It played into Palace's hands, but they were they were so good going forward. I think Burnley did well to to keep it at nil nil for the half, but it was bound to happen. And Palace needed this win. I think of any team that's you know there with nothing really much to achieve, but just wants to stay in the league. Palace, they needed this win, and it was a really big win for them. Really, mm. really, and the the player that always c- comes to mind for me with Palace now is Jordan Ayew. I don't know. I, I feel like he doesn't look interested a lot of the time, but whenever you need him to put the ball at the back of the net, he always seems to be in the right place at the right time. Hmm. So it's a, it's a big win for Palace and it's a big win for their new coach. Hey, uh, Des, you're, you're, you're a goalkeeper by trade. Uh, what, what are your feelings on the professional foul? That was a professional foul, wasn't it? I mean, he knew what he was doing. Uh, yes, in, in my day, it, wouldn't have, it would have been a yellow card. Yeah. Um, the laws of the game say it's a red card. But, but, I, I, I but would you, tend would, not to think. I mean, let's say you're the goalkeeper who's just made that terrible pass. Okay. All right. And you're seeing your defender panic. Should the defender then just... It's going to be a red card. Yes. The, the defender should just let the, the, the striker take, take the ball and score. Yeah. Which is such an antithesis if you're a defender. Yeah. They're changing the whole structure of it. And But the goalkeeper uh, might do something. Yeah, the goalkeeper could do something. He's dragged him back. In, yes, it is a red card. Do I do I think it should be a red card? No, but I'm 10, 15 years behind the game on that one. But, but I mean, but it, it lets down, well, not lets down the team, but it puts the team at a disadvantage when they're down to 10 men. Massively, but his first reaction will be, oh, I'm trying to get the ball. I can't get the ball. Reach out to try and stop because he's been brought up that way. These days you get you get um, a red card. I'd like to go back to the James Trafford. Not the fact that it's a poor pass, but the fact that teams consistently decide they want to play out from the back. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to know the statistics. My um, gut feel is that more goals are conceded mm. than are I, scored by playing out of the back. I think you might be right there. And although it was from a free kick... Um, uh, the Everton goal was the, the goalkeeper gave the assist. Yes, he did by yeah. booting it straight up the middle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a proper give, goal. Give me that football. Give me that seventies heyday football. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's short, nice football. That's more like it. Um, okay, well, that's Premier League, and we are now, folks. We um, 
We're going to make a trip around the world. This is going to be very exciting. And we've <laughs> set the task. Uh, Des has set the task. And um, we've got many leagues here. And we're going to do a roundup on what's happening uh, in this diff- different league. So in no particular order, we're going to start with, I want to start with you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Eredivisie. Yeah. What on earth is happening there? PSV. I think, you know what, PSV are doing this season is really, really impressive. They've gone through a lot in the last year and a half, two years. They've had a huge restructuring from top to bottom. They've had to sell big time. They've sold many important players like Cody Gakpo being one of them, Noni Madueke being another one. But they've come back. They've proven that that young Mexican striker they have, he's been a joy to watch. And I think he's one, I think his name is Jimenez, Santiago Jimenez. He's going to be looked at by many, many top teams around Europe. The one that I want to point out that I've been it's a renaissance of sorts is Ajax I'm always going to bring it back to Ajax ever since Louis van Gaal went into went back to Ajax in a more boardroom role he seems to have brought back the the feeling of you know youth being an importance to Ajax because once Overmars left once van der Sar left that seems to have seemed to have left Ajax Amsterdam where they just kept on looking at players from overseas, from Argentina, from Brazil. Let's just keep bringing them in. This, they're going to make the team better. That wasn't the case. They completely forgot what that team was built around, which was youth. And they completely forgot. Luis van Gaal come in and they've actually focused back on youth again. And it's nice to see them coming back up the table. They were in the relegation zone, I think, just like three months ago. Now they're up to fifth. It's a massive gap between them and PSV. They're not going to be challenging PSV, but there's a very good chance that Ajax has a chance at... Uh, Going yeah, back to the Champions Europe. League, yeah. yeah, which was not something any Ajax fan was going to think was going to be a reality just five months ago. Yeah, speaking of youth and Ajax, I, I, a thought struck me the other day that um, that team, the the Ten Hag team that did so well in the Champions League a few years back, where are they now? Oof. I mean, I, I mean, they were, they were, everyone was like, "Oh, got to buy these players," uh, and yet are they? Uh, they are really good. I mean, Durian Timber. Unfortunately, he's had a massive injury at Arsenal, but he was one that I think... This is the biasness in him coming up. I really wanted him over any other Ajax player. He's a joy to watch. He, you'll see how good he is when he comes back for Arsenal. Another one is uh, Delict. I think Delict has been really good wherever Fantastic. he's got. Yeah, he's been really good wherever he's been at. Just that everywhere he's been, the club is a mess, right? Juventus, mess. Bayern Munich, the amount of players that they're buying in and changing at the back... There's no consistency at the back, so he can't, you know, cement himself there. You look at Frankie De Jong, who's probably the best of the entire lot, one of ba- Barcelona's most consistent and best players in their team. Fortunately, Barcelona probably can't pay his wages, so they need to let him go. So I'd say a lot of those players really performed. Even you look at the the solid ones that were there, Dusan Tadic, he was one that I was surprised Ajax got rid of at the start of the season. Delibrin was another one. These are all players that will deliver for you week in, week out, but they got rid. Gravenberg and Anthony as well. Gravenberg and Anthony. So they, it's in a very Ajax way. They build a great team. Remember mm-hmm. that great team of the late 90s, Clivert yeah. and mm. uh, uh, and Co. They were brilliant. <laughs> um, Ajax build teams, get nearly there and then have to go and start again. That is the problem of the finance in football. Yeah. It means even great teams like Ajax uh, are selling clubs. And, and they are the the big team in the Dutch league. They're, well, the, they're the rich team in Dutch league. Them and PSV and Feyenoord. Yeah. Right, right. Um, okay, we've got time now for, uh, and I'm very excited about this one, uh, Des promises us the Indian league. 
What's happening in the Indian League? So the ISL, they call it, the Indian Super League. There is a, there's two major leagues, but the ISL is by far the more important. The I-League is the second division. We are at uh, game 16 of a 22-game season. Odisha, a relatively new club. They are top of the pile at the moment, led by their famous Fijian striker, Roy Krishnan. We've all heard of Roy Krishnan, but uh, it's really quite close at the top because Adisha are top, Mumbai City, who play in a couple of days, they're one point behind, and Mohan Bagan, who are probably one of the big names, them and East Bengal, uh, they're third, just a, a point behind. So there's a, a good running coming in at the end of this season. Adisha just drew nil-nil with Mohan Bagan. Um, six games to go in the season, so that's building up nicely. Some famous names, certainly from a, a Malaysia point of, point of view. Uh, Pereira Diaz, who used to be at uh, Johor Darul Taksim. He is at uh, um, uh, Mumbai. Uh, Petratas, who used to be at Kalantan. He is uh, doing well with Mohan Bagan. And Tommy Yorich is at uh, Northeast United. So there's a little bit of a, an, a Malaysian connection. What, what, it's a good standard league and it's it? coming to a nice little boil. What kind of crowds uh, do they get? Eight to ten to twelve thousands for for some of the bigger games. The the um, the Bengal Derby can sometimes get ridiculously huge crowds in the Salt Lake Stadium. So they have had up to eighty thousand at that. But that's as a, that's as a one off, and I don't think it's happened so much this season. But it's relatively well supported. Um, all matches are televised. Um, there's reasonable crowds, reasonable interest. India are making progress. They made it to the Asian Cup. And one of the problems why they didn't do well in the Asian Cup is that um, their league didn't stop until a, a couple of weeks before the Asian Cup. So the, the players didn't get an awful lot of preparation time. Um, and then as soon as India were out, the league restarted oh, once right. again. Where, where's India in the FIFA rankings? Uh, Hundred-ish. So ab- above Malaysia, above Malaysia, yes, and yes. deservedly so. Uh, yeah, it's good standard, good standard football. Although Malaysia beat them quite comfortably, I'd need to check that. Actually, I think they're maybe a bit lower than hundred. Because you know, if you choose the right teams to play against and your friendlies and whatnot, you can kind of like boost your uh, your your ranking, can't you? Uh, you, you can, but uh, Malaysia beat them four uh, two, not not so long ago in a in a really good in a really good game. But this is a, a, a good league. It's well supported. It's very professional. Um, their teams are making. Uh, uh, improvements in their professionalism and the the ISL has, has been going for a good 10 years now and long may it continue mm, okay so I, I've, I've learned something new I did not know that uh, did you Sean no absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> lots of Asian leagues there's great stuff Japan started this week uh, Thailand's great the Onkul's Boram at top of the table uh, Bangkok United made to the FC Champions League quarterfinals lost in the last minute so uh, which which, which uh, of these Asian leagues gets the biggest crowds Indonesia yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Boyan's, yeah. Boyan's Bandung team, they are third at the moment, but they can't win a game. They're drawing a lot of games, but they're third. Um, the runaway league leaders are Borneo Samarind. Um, some some of the big games there, 40,000, 50,000. Borneo regularly getting 30,000. Uh, sorry, uh, Borneo regularly getting 30,000. Bandung regularly in the 20,000s. Uh, yeah. Indonesian football. If you've experienced KL City, Go to Johor yeah. and then go to Indonesia. I promise you, I, it is mentally fantastic. Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know if you can really beat what I what I experienced at yeah. KL City. <laughs> <laughs> it will blow your mind. It will I'm blow extremely your mind. intimidating too. It is. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I'll, all right. I'll do that. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it took us five years to get you to KL City, <laughs> uh, and and I've always been. 
I am now always have been a, a lifelong <laughs> <Yeah>. fan. <laughs> okay, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Um, and I would like to thank uh, Sean Mahotra. Thank you, thank you. It's a lot of fun. And uh, Asran, I hope you're having the time of your life over there in the uh, UK. Asran Rosane is, uh, he was at the, the Carabao Cup final. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be watching another couple of uh, Liverpool matches. And he's having a good time. Uh, Sean, are you going to be happy next time we see you? God knows, because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Des Corkill, thank you. And at 8.35, 8.36, the sun is still shining. <laughs> uh, so if, if Liverpool win nothing else, you're happy? Uh, I'd, I'd want them to win something, but last night was such a, a, a fantastic occasion, of such a top occasion. Um, of course you want them to do well in Europe. You want them to, to win the league. That would be the perfect scenario. Because Klopp said, I mean, he, he would say this, you know, it's the best, it's his greatest uh, achievement. Because he's done it with kids. He's beaten a billion dollar team with his academy team. Mm. As Gary Neville said, billion dollar babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'd like to thank producer Daryl Ong and myself, Cameron Aslan. See you next time here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. One way, Salah's the other. He's on an old Trafford hat trick here, Mo Salah. And he captures the moment. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8 pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.